Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to this lovely episode of Not Enough Bones. This is the gaming podcast about too many bones and everything else Chip Theory Games has cooking. My name is David, and with me is my co-host, the co-hostess with the mostest, Mr. John. John, say hello to the people. Hey, people. Hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Yeah, they well, they definitely are now that they're listening to Not Enough Bones. That's for freaking sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So today we're going to have, uh, look, we've just wrapped up our talk on the gear locks from the base box. And what is too many bones except two halves of the same coin? You got the good guys. And of course, if you got good guys, you got to have the bad guys. Yeah, the bat or the baddies, as they say. Ooh, and sorry. There you go. There that is. Yep, that's right. Well, I, te- I teed you up incorrectly for that one so hey. we've got the goodies and we've got the baddies and of course exactly the, the baddies the main baddies uh, are the tyrants we'll be talking about that today but before we do we're going to get into some recent plays as well as some news so john why don't you kick us off with some recent plays that you've got okay well david i i hope you're sitting down because i've got some some serious news here uh-oh um i have i've relapsed oh no um, john i hate to hear this <laughs> Ever, ever since I was a wee lad, uh, the age of 16, 17, I uh, one time walked into a local uh, card store to inquire about a game called Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, and this started a journey for me in my high school and college days where I got heavily into Magic, spent many hours and many dollars uh, playing Magic, both kind of a standard format as well as the Commander uh, format, which is like a multiplayer less competitive, I'd say more fun-based game mode. I played that a lot with my buddies in college, but then I graduated and went back home, and um, I tried going back to the same card store, and it it just wasn't the same as playing with my friends, Uh, so it was kind of hard for me to get back into it there, but um, I I dipped back into Magic. (laughs) Um, So there was a Lord of the Rings crossover set that Wizards of the Coast put out, and if you don't know, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. So I got um, two of my friends, um, Brady and Matthew, to play or to commit to buying these kind of pre-constructed commander decks for Magic the Gathering. And uh, we roped our friend Jacob into playing too. And I had a blast. I've always really enjoyed the game of Magic. It is definitely the epitome of a lifestyle game. It it is from a cost aspect, from a uh, what you put into it is what you get out of it type aspect. But I had a amazing time i'm having to stop myself from brewing up a bunch of different decks online just for fun um and and so i'm, I'm kind of on the the up and up with magic right now i think it'd be a fun game to have as a little you know we play a lot of heavy board games i play a lot of solo games but it's a fun little switch up you know once twice a month maybe get a little commander game in so um my friend matthew all in on it he loved the lord of the rings theme i think that's really what sold him if it was generic fantasy or some of the other magic i don't think he would have cared jacob i think was either way he didn't really care brady had a little bit more negative feelings towards it but i think he really wants to like it so he'll give it at least another shot or two um it's a game where there's a lot of interaction there's a lot of ways you can uh maybe knock your uh, opponents down a peg which uh, isn't everyone's favorite and that's okay um but we definitely had some spirited conversation about um the way the game worked and um i love the game so i'm excited to kind of try it again and this lord of the Rings set is awesome the art is absolutely astounding um so there's any magic fans out there that listen to this podcast i've i've i'm starting to come back to the cardboard crack as they say it yeah so you know that um you know that scene in spider-man like the original um uh spider-man and um the the raimi ones where 
what's the name? Uh, Willem Dafoe. Like Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. you know, he's Green Goblin or whatever, and he's like trying not to be, but then like the mask is talking to him. He's like, what are you doing? We've got a world to conquer. And he's like, no, no. He's like, there you are, hiding in the shadows, hiding from who you really are. And he's like, stop it, coward. You make me sick. That's, that's what magic's been doing to you this whole time, just sitting in the, just, you know, sitting in the yeah. back of your mind, knowing and saying, John, you can't hide from who you really are. I know. So See, it is funny because I've always played games growing up, but magic was really the first game that I got super big into. I mean, I would go to one or two different events a week at my local shop. I would, you know, keep up with the news and all that. So um, I had a pretty good sized collection that when I first got into board games, I was like, oh, I'm never going to play Magic again. So I found all my cards that were worth like at least $2. I probably sold about four or $500 worth of cards from various decks. So now what I have is like six kind of like partial decks because mm-hmm. all the expensive good cards in them are gone um, so <laughs> i kind of regret that now because i'm like all i did was use that to buy more board games half of which i probably sold by now Aww. um just should have bought too many bones back then and i would have been would have been saved but i'm excited i don't think it's going to be a, a staple mainstay game of our our little game group here but i think it should be a little fun alternative and half the fun for me is just seeing what cool little combos and um you know, decks I could brew up and, and build in my spare time, whether I ever buy them and put them together or not. Yeah, I think the thing with Magic is you, it is a game that you get as much out of it, like you said, as much out of it as you put into it. And like what you can put into it, that well is super deep. I mean, like, oh, you yeah. know, we, we talk about like having trouble sometimes, like if you move to a new place and finding a game group. Finding another magic player, that is not a problem. Like you will nope. like you could they sync I mean Magic the Gathering single handedly floats, I would say, ninety five percent of board game, card game, hobby shops yeah. in America. I would not be surprised if it's the number one I mean, both the events and the cards themselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just I just can't be bothered because the culture just like <laughs> the culture bothers me so much. The you'd like a, anytime I walk into a game store, it's like a bunch of dudes playing magic and they all smell bad. And just like, you know, I, I joked with them on Monday night that I didn't shower for four days before coming <laughs> just to uh, make sure they got the real experience. But that, that wasn't true. But um, there is definitely a stereotype that's oh not unfounded. Uh, obviously, with any stereotype, it's never 100 percent true. But um if you ever saw that number one, it used to be the number one Reddit post of all time <laughs> where a guy went around a, a big magic tournament and he got like a 10 year ban or something like that. Cause he just took a picture behind people that uh, pants were too low as they were sitting down to put it that way. Yeah. Just him and their butt cracks. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, well, John, I'm happy for you. And you know, I would just say that I am, um, I would, there's some other sets that like I would be interested in looking at just yeah. cause like the art is, is cool. So like the, um, and it's cool, like how they partner up with different IPs and stuff to like make sets or like, there was like a, my little pony thing. And like, that was, um, crossover that, which was absurd. Um, but yep. people like went bonkers for that. Um, they yeah. did a transformers one. Yeah. They did, uh, or they're doing a Jurassic park one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've done quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pr- you're printing money. They're printing money, basically. So good, good for them, and good for you guys with with your magic. Anything else uh, you've been you've been playing? You want to highlight? Oh, David, I am all 
aboard the heat train. Yeah, maybe. That's I, right. We've been playing a couple games on uh, Board Game Arena with Jacob, and that has just been absolutely fantastic. I've really, really enjoyed playing heat. I played it in person uh, with my wife, Jacob and his wife, um, which was also a lot of fun. And it played pretty smoothly in person. I know we were kind of talking about uh, maybe it's a better on BGA game, but honestly, playing in person, I thought was just as smooth, especially since the like the legends or the AI aren't that difficult to to run. Um, but I had a great time playing Heat. I think it's very clever. Mm-hmm. I think out of all the games, the thing that I really like about it versus other racing games is it's truly just about racing. You're trying to... It's almost very multiplayer solitaire, even though you have some mechanics to, you know, drift around other players. You're really just thinking, how can I maximize my car to be as effective as possible? You're trying to manage your hand. Um, There's no like betting or secondary way you can win. You just win by, you know, going fast, going fast, being first. Yeah. Um, Which I like because I think games like Downforce and uh what's the formula formula d formula formula d then there's camel up other ones that are like kind of like racing games Uh, even ready set bet which was is that the the one we yeah it's it's a horse yeah it's a horse betting Um, game but yeah not really there's i was thinking long long shot the dice game Mm -hmm. where those are all betting games so i like that there's this was a very much racing game so Mm -hmm. what are your what are your thoughts on this one i know no like he you know there's this there's these weird times in like the board in the board game world where you like the hype train is going a million miles an hour and you're just like, all right, is this game really that good? Like when Ark Nova came out and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, Ark Nova, this and Ark Nova that, uh, when wingspan came out, wingspan was like another one. Uh, and a lot of that also is like driven through scarcity. That's like, you know, a few people say like, Ooh, this game is really good. And then nobody can buy the game. So that just creates, interest for the game even more heat was that one where copies of it's a 60 dollars game and copies were selling routinely for 120 you know it'd be double the price anyways i am happy to say that this is one of those times where the hype is real and i love the game i, I as you said it's so clever the management of the heat is so fun um and there are races where like you kind of have to push your luck a little bit like Really? You can't just play it safe the whole time. Um, now you you can and maybe hope that somebody else spins out and like that. But like even then, sometimes um, even someone that spins out, like it's not the end of the world for them. Like you know, you can still like catch back up. I think. Right. Yeah. I I I really I really like that, and it simulates like how a race should be. Um, I played a solo game where I ran five of the other bots um and i will say like that was a little time consuming it was simple but it was time consuming but i think like if you've got a table of like three or four people um or five people yeah i mean managing one two race cars is like uh bot cars is not difficult at all whatsoever um and they're challenging too like it it is it is challenging to try to like beat them and so uh, I think for what you get in the base box too is tremendous value oh like, yeah you get four maps tons of different modules you can play up to six people so like yeah i think 60 dollars like is priced extremely well for uh for heat pedal to the metal days of wonder knocked it out of the park with that one absolutely agree it's been a it's been a highlight it's been very fun to play um just over bga kind of turn-based over the last couple weeks so um but outside of heat david what are some games that you've gotten played recently anything exciting that you want to want to share 
Uh, yeah, we, I've just been, uh, kind of having a little bit of more of my Reiner's aunts as I like to, as, as people like to say. So my wife and I got in a game of uh, Lost Cities, which is a phenomenal two player game. Uh, one of the best two player games out there. Um, also got in the game of Babylonia, which I haven't played in a while. And that was a lot of fun. And, um, I ordered battle line, which is like another okay, card. Yeah. Yeah. It's another card. Uh, I guess like lane dueler or whatever, like lane battler, if you want to call it, um, similar to uh, Lost Cities by Reiner Knizia. So I'm excited to uh, to play that. Um, and then I'm playing a game of Terra Mystica right now, and I've just absolutely botched my game. I just <laughs> like I I made and especially in this last turn, I made a critical error, thinking like, oh, okay, I'll I'll build in this next hex on the next round, and then I look over and I didn't and I didn't do this in time, and you can't undo. There's no undo button. Uh, for Terra Mystica, and I look over and I see that um, yep. the opposing player has their spades leveled up all the way, so it's just like one one worker per uh, per spade. Yikes. And I was like, ah, frick, they're gonna they're gonna terraform my my junk over here. So, uh, but Terra Mystica, nonetheless, is like still remains one of the best games um, that that we that we play, and I really enjoy it. Also, I was um, I just learned the rules to War of the Ring, the card game. And okay. so we might be playing. I, I, um, there's another guy that I play games with, and we were talking about Lord of the Rings, Magic the Gathering yeah. versus War of the Ring. And I accidentally sent him a message that I meant to send you guys. And he texted me back and he's like, What's W O T R T C G? And I was like, Oh, whoops. I didn't mean to send you the world's longest acronym. Um, right. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a running joke with the length of our acronyms in our group chat. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So, um, but I explained to him and he was like, Oh my gosh this is a thing like this thing exists. This is a game. Right. And, um, he's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. He's like, when can we play this game? So I'm excited to, uh, to, to play that. And it's one where a lot of people are saying like, this is a good game. It's a deep game. It's strategic. Like the more you play it again, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. So I don't really care for the IP all that much. I don't know what happened. I like missed the Lord of the Rings boat. Like growing up, Nobody around me was into Lord of the Rings. Then I got to college. Nobody around me was into Lord of the Rings. And then it's like I became, I got married, became an adult. And yeah, it's like all of a sudden everyone around me is like, hey, are you, a, are you, a, uh, you know, who, who, who do you like? Who do you like more? You like Awen? You like, what's the other one? Arwen or whatever? Who's, who's your guy? Obviously Awen. Everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever it is. But anyways, so yeah. And, you know, I meet you guys and everyone apparently you know, all of you guys love Lord of the Rings. So oh, yeah. I, I guess I just need to get with the program and hunker down, maybe read the books. That might, might get me to like it. But I don't know about that. Well, I guess you like Dune, right? I mean, yeah, it's, dude. it's a similar level of trying to, like, especially the first one, it's a similar level to Dune of that. It, it's dense. I mean, it's dense stuff. So uh, especially the Old Forest, man, that chapter, they cut it out of the movie for good reason. Yeah. Just based on the length. It did have some, like, there's some great characters that you meet in it, as well as some better kind of explanation of, you know, how they get to where they are going. But um, yeah, I felt like I felt like that chapter alone was like 300 pages long when I was trying to read it in high school. But Oh, all right. Well, I, yeah, my, my friend, uh, well, you know, our friend Jonathan, uh, he's yeah. like read this the one who does our intro and outro. Music. Yeah, that's right, Jonathan Wright. Shout out, hey, Jonathan right. Allen Wright. That's it. Um, he's read like the Cimmerillion and you know all the other stuff. So like he's super deep in the sauce. So I should probably include him in that game if I if I get a chance because he'll feel sad that he that he missed out. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Speaking and of, let us well, know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. One last thing, I got to play a game. It is Spooky Month. It is October. Okay, yeah, we're approaching mm-hmm. Halloween, and I did get a chance to play 
uh, Final Girl. And so I was uh, happy to get Final Girl nice. back to the table, season two, working my way through it, played the um, the Outsiders, which is really just like the Strangers. I did not back season three. I could not do it. I just have too much content to work through. Right. Um, but congrats to Van Ryder Games and their success uh, with that. And I look forward to maybe purchasing one or two of the um, the new scenarios and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a good amount of games played, man. We've been, uh, I've been hitting BGA up quite heavily and uh, gotten some in-person plays too, which has been fun. Been traveling a little bit, so maybe a little more sparse than we got our uh, game of Shikoku going right now. We so. did. We have that going. We're we're officially eighteen XXers. It is your turn. <laughs> it's you. It's usually your turn, David. Yeah, I but, know. I know. Um, that's totally okay. Um, you're usually good at least every twenty-four hours. So I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Anyways, um, this is not what we, we love talking about recent games, but what we're really excited about is to talk about our tyrants. But before we do, David, any big Kickstarter news, any big updates around? I have seen 20 strong address confirmations have been going out. Oh, so sick. yeah, that, that reminds should be me shipping hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I'm, you're going to you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going to add one more thing to the recent plays. I got to play Hoplomachus Remastered. Oh, oh. So you've been waiting on that one. Yeah, man. I've been uh just jonesing to play that one. And I played now I I you know, I think probably its best form and I asked on BGG like what's their preferred way is the skirmish mode where it's either one v one or two v two. But I did mm-hmm. play like the solo ascension mode. Or no. Okay. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. One of the, there's like two different solo modes that you can do, and it's the one where you play against the immortals, not against the titans. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it's an onslaught that's what it is and you're just trying to like survive wave after wave after wave and like i just it's nice to not like in victorum is really cool but like it takes forever to like kind of level up this one you just kind of like jump right in and you're like fighting from the get-go and i think this one really highlighted to me the importance of the strategic tactical nuances that exist within the hoplomachus system of like placing your unit here versus here um, so I, I really appreciated that. I, um, I didn't do well, but I played, uh, three times and had a lot of fun with it. So if anybody is on the fence about getting remastered, uh, I would say it is definitely worth taking a look at because, um, I, I yeah. had a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to playing the skirmish mode one day. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot in that game that I haven't given the due diligence of exploring. So I'm excited to, uh, get that one tabled. It's it's right behind. I like to so I have my board game shelf right behind me. Yes. Uh, during work, and I really enjoy that. I've got Hoplomachus front and center on the very top of my Calax. Yeah. Because it just looks so cool. The art on that box, and just I know that mountain, yeah. that's uh, Victorum, but uh, remastered sounds amazing as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, and they uh, there was a live stream. I think uh, Tip Theory Games did of uh, playing Elder Scrolls again. So doing showing some more Elder Scrolls content. I feel like I have to stop myself from watching it just because I <laughs> I backed out of backing it, but I'll, I'm sure I'll get it before then. It looks before, really good uh, though. It, it, it does look really good. But yeah, that's um, the only news I got for you for uh, in terms of like crowdfunding and things. So yeah, it looks really good. Oh, you're good. Um, one thing I'm really excited about that's coming next month is uh, the Too Many Bones Brass Mags. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. Did we talk about this last episode? We did briefly, but... Okay. Uh, well, they're official. They're coming Black Friday. You sent me a picture of them. They look amazing. Hey, so, that being, that's, we're just, that's just a month away. 
That's just a I, month away. That's what I'm telling you. I'm saving my my budget's about to come to a new month. I'm saving it. I, they said they're going to be what ninety nine or something. Yeah, hundred bucks, it's like a hundred bucks or something like that. Which that's a lot, but uh, it's got a lot of things. You know what? I was kind of sad they don't have animals for Gilly. Yeah, that was the one thing that I thought was a little sad. They have board, they have nightshade, but no animals for Gilly. And I'm sure it was a storage thing. If you look at it, it's pretty packed, but. Um, especially if you have those allied chips for, I guess that would probably be why, because all the other ones have actual chips base. The ally pack is like an expansion because mm. there's no bots for tank as well. Right. Yeah, so true. Um, Jacob mentioned that to me and I'm now realizing that they don't have tank in there too, but it's probably because he, he probably hasn't played tank. So um, tank is one of my favorites, bro. I think he's so underrated. Hey, yeah. That's a story for another day. That is a, that's an episode for another day. That's right. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, right. exci- I'm excited for the brass mags. They're going to look great. I don't know that I will buy it. And I say that now, but I probably no. will, but I know, oh, I know yeah. John, I know I will, but for I now I won't, but I will. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are going to talk about the seven different tyrants that are in the base box of too many bones, just titled too many bones. Uh, we're going to run through kind of who the tyrant is. There's some fun flavor text we'll read out to you about uh, who this uh, person or individual is, what they might be doing. And then I think what would be fun is just walking through kind of what to expect from a game. If I'm playing against Nam, uh, we can talk about what kind of baddies are we going to see? How long would the game be uh, expected? And then um, really the, the meat of these tyrants is if they have a unique encounter mechanism, their unique skills, and then the tyrant dice there's a lot of overlap i'd say in their skills Mm -hmm. sometimes between the baddies and the tyrants but their tyrant dice is something that's completely unique to the tyrants and adds a lot of flavor into the game i remember our very first game uh, with nam uh, which is who we'll start with is um is a core memory when we got to the tyrant encounter and i was just like there's no way we actually (laughs) beat this so uh, once we go through all the tyrants i think do you want to do a little uh seven to one ranking i don't know if uh I, I can put you on the spot of who we uh, who we like from least favorite to most favorite, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so I guess least least favorite I would probably have to say is uh, I'm going to put Drellin. It's probably my least favorite. Um, who you got as number seven? Uh, I'm going to put Gendrix. I I really don't like uh, don't like Gendrix as well. I like all of them, but he's the one that frustrates me the most. Okay. But yeah, fair, fair. All right. Gendrix, we'll get to him and describing his frustration because he is very frustrating, but we'll get to that yeah. a little bit later. All right. Who you got next? Number six. Number six, I'd probably put, uh, put Drellin. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and put Marrow right there. Oh, Mero. not a Marrow fan. I mean, I mean, I, I like all of them, but I'm just, you know, putting them. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, number five. Uh, I'm probably going to put uh, Duster, and uh, I have not played Duster. I don't know if that's okay to rank her right there, but I do like. I was her about to say I haven't played Duster either, so um, that's the caveat there. I've, so, so we'll we'll put her at five together. And okay, kind of skip down. All know? right, here we go. Next, I got. Uh, next, I got Nom. Yep. Okay, I'm going to put Marrow at uh, at four for okay. me. All right, nice. And I got the Goblin King. And I also have the Goblin King at three. Okay, and then this is where we're gonna we're gonna differ because I'm gonna have Gendrix at number two. 
Kendrick's at two, man. I'm looking forward to hearing about that because he's only beat my head in. Uh, I'm going to go Molmesh at uh, Molmesh at two. Okay. Well, then that just leaves one for me, and that is Molmesh. And who do you have at number one? I've got Clubbin with Nam as my right. favorite from the base box. Fair, dude. Fair. All right. Well, well, those are those are our rankings. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to work through each tyrant uh, based on of their game length. And so what... Uh, Tyrant takes basically the quickest to go and fight versus the one that you have to spend a lot more time to get to. Uh, and so that starts us out with Nam, clubbing with Nam. So, John, why don't you uh, tell us about Nam? Maybe you can read his little. We won't do this for yes. everyone, but Nam's like a classic, so you got to read Nam, his little. Nam is text. a classic. Uh, uh, my <laughs> quick tangent my dad plays this video game called World of Warships, it's a naval combat game. Oh, but he likes to talk about when, like, I play a lot of video games, and what we call is is smurfing, when you're very good at a game and you create a new account to go beat up on people that are bad at a game. This is typically <laughs> multiplayer games. In this naval game, they call it seal clubbing. I don't know why, but I feel like Nam, if anything, is is a tyrant that looks like if you're new to the game, great one to start on. I think he's one of the harder ones in yeah. the base box, yeah. and. Uh, he's a he's a troll, so I'll read his little trolls as a species are not so smart. Nam, the troll sh- chieftain of the Shale Fist region, is no exception. However, <laughs> no one has ever felt the need to point that out to Nam due to obvious reasons like size, differential, and thunder clubs. Could be because Nam loves to imprison those that anger him and then face off his prey in a caged battle one by one. So Nam is a big beefy boy with a club and the end line of that little flavor text is is very accurate to um how his actual tyrant encounter plays out so um just a few quick stats uh, he does have a uh, game length is the, the lowest so he's got like one pip on his game length that's eight days or six progress um counters within those eight days um and then he's got the orc the troll and the dragon baddies so he's actually got a pretty uh i would say tough lineup of baddies you've got some pretty um difficult skills to uh to deal with in that pool um but the coolest thing about nam is his tyrant fight so it is a 1v1 kind of duel to the to the death so to speak so i remember flashback to our very first game we had been playing three players and then um it just dropped down to you and i and we get to this tyrant battle we're we're well equipped maybe upgraded our skill dice a little bit and then we flip over the tyrant encounter card and it says only one gear lock on the battle mat at a time gear locks will decide who enters first second etc and when a gear lock is ko'd the next gear lock will assume a starting position on the battle mat at the top of the initiative meter after end of round so you have to fight nam and all the the baddies that come with him one by one Mm. and it is brutal especially so if you're the first one in there you're like how in the world am i going to deal with all of this and if you're the last one in there you're like man these people couldn't couldn't do anything i've got to (laughs) come try to you know clutch this up um and and it's very difficult because nam has thick skin three so he ignores the first three damage he would take each turn um and he also has recover one so he's going to be healing so he's kind of this big oaf this tanky brute that is just lumbering around smacking you with this club and uh, healing up health and not taking too much damage in return. Um, and then for his tyrant dice, he's got um, a full removal. He's got Om Nom, 
all yeah. defense dice are Love removed that. from target before applying damage. So you're trying to put you're playing picket, right? You're following our suggestion. Great starter gear lock. You've got eight defense dice loaded in from your passive. He rolls over, rolls his tyrant dice, um, which if we haven't mentioned, every tyrant has a special dice that has special pips on it or faces on it that they get to roll for free every time they attack. So regardless of their attack and defense stat, they'll always roll it and it'll always have some kind of nasty effect on it. One would be removing all your defense dice. And the other is the thunder club, which after his attack, you knock the target to the furthest position away from its current position on the battle mat and deal it a true damage. So not only is it additional damage, you're then sent across the map. So if you're playing a melee gear lock, you then have to spend some of your decks to try to move even closer. Otherwise he's going to walk and smack you again. So he's really a gear lock that I think is deceptively difficult, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy the challenge that it presents in trying to kind of deal with him while dealing with the baddies and slowly, you know, whittle down his health, whether you're putting a bleed on him or a poison to kind of counteract the healing. But um, what are some of your thoughts on Nam? Yeah, just like it's deceptive because you think like, oh, short gameplay, like I'll pick him as my first one or whatever. And Mm -hmm. the one-on-one battle at the end, um, is yeah that's brutal it's funny because like all the tyrants have quote tyrant encounters that you shuffle Mm -hmm. into your encounter deck uh meaning that like you can do be doing a regular encounter and then the next one all of a sudden now you have something that is facing off against you know that's more themed towards the tyrant because you know again they're Mm -hmm. the ones that are kind of looming over your adventure and one of his tyrant encounters is you actually get to fight him early so like (laughs) you could fight the tyrant earlier uh, in mm-hmm. you know in in your adventure, um, which I guess the ad- the advantage to that would be less baddie points to deal with or whatever. But um, yeah, deceptive. Uh, but Nam is one of those kind of like I feel like a rite of passage almost. Like you gotta right. you play too many bones and you have to accidentally play him against the for your first one and think and then you know get beaten down because yeah, thick skin three is is rough. So yeah, right. Nam, great, great, there- great, great tyrant. There is a way that he uh, he can get one shot, which is by our good friend Gilly. Um, I've, I found this little combo where Gilly can get rid of thick skin for a turn as well as do double damage. And I rolled in on a I was playing solo, so he didn't have any other baddies. But I actually just one shot him on the first turn, um, which was a little anticlimactic, but um, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So that's Nam. All right. So that brings us to. Um, if, if you feel like Nam is the one, like if you accidentally play Nam thinking like that should be your first tyrant, then you'll be happy to know that there is actually what I believe to be the de facto play against this tyrant as your first game. Uh, and that is Mulmish. John, how many times have you played against Mulmish? At least four or five. I know. right? <laughs> yeah. I just like, I know him like the back of my hand, you know, and he's just old, old faithful. So Mulmish is, he's a worgen, uh, whatever that is. Um, what is that, John? What is a worgen? You, who knows? It like, is a, uh, kind of like a werewolf. That's how, uh, that's the tor- term used in, uh, D&D world of Warcraft for oh, those that okay. are human and werewolf. And I believe it's supposed to suggest that they have the ability to change at will versus, because of the moon oh interesting okay well like once, shapeshifters i understand them yeah makes sense once human now worgen molnish has an insatiable hunger for that which once he once was knowing there is no going back he lets that hunger fuel his fury toward any non-eben De, uh, delorean who stands in his way of exacting vengeance so uh, molnish basically is like this wolf dude and as the wolf dude a lot of the baddies are going to be beast type baddies that you're going to be fighting against um throughout your encounter Here's what I like about 
um, Mulmish. I, I don't know what makes it like what makes him a good entry one. I guess it's just like that his his encounter length is like relatively short. So like like Nam, you're not going to have a game that's going to be you know three four hours long. Um, but also like his skills. Like his innate skills aren't anything too crazy. You've got uh, Frenzy 2. If the number of attack, Momish attack dice um, hit, no bones, roll the attack dice. Okay, actually, that that is brutal. Um, his Frenzy is, is, is pretty rough um, if, if you get unlucky there. But um, just like there, it's nothing crazy or complicated. He's got a retreat effect uh, that happens if he has three health or lower. Um, you got to be careful because it's like once you whittle him down, um, Mulmish has this thing where he's like, okay, I got to retreat and recover. So like, if you're going to, if you know, you're going to be close to killing him, like you need to kill him. You don't leave him at one health, uh, cause he's going to come back. And, right. um, and then he's got shrouded. Mulmish can only be targeted by adjacent units. So no ranged, nothing, uh, yep. against him. Um, sad for boomer. Yeah. Sad, sad for boomer. So she's got to get, um, right up in there. His two dice silver hide. Mulmish cannot take damage from attack dice until his next turn. Brutal. And Howl. Yeah. All units friendly to Mulmish immediately improve one spot on the enemy meter. And that can be... Yeah, that can be really rough. So you know some gear locks that have the yep. ability to like move you up on the on the enemy meter. Mm-hmm. You might want to have one of those in hand when you're fighting against Mulmish just because you can have a turn where it's like you go... And then it's like batty, batty, and you're expecting like, okay, well, I can survive. Right. I, I can just, kill this guy, yeah, right? And, on the next yep. turn, I'll go before them. Nope, psych, Momish rolls that thing, and then they all move up uh, ahead of you, and it, yeah. Yeah, for the majority of, of encounters, you're usually hovering around that like three and four mark. Like obviously, sometimes you'll get a five or a six for your initiative. Sometimes you'll get unlucky and get really low, depending on who you're playing. But this one could be devastating to drop like, again, a batty or two, Maybe it's one in front of your turn and one in front of your teammate's turn that you weren't expecting. So you just have to deal with things a little faster. But absolutely, um, I think he's pretty challenging, but he's uh, the best entry gear lock. I mean, if I was if someone was picking up the game for the first time, I'd say take, you know, patches and pick it and go against Molmesh. And um, even if you were playing solo, I would say just two handed and and do that because then you've got, you know, enough survival to keep you in the fight and. Um, you can kind of see some of the cool different mechanics that the mm-hmm. game offers. Yep, yep. Mulbush is cool. He's got a thing, one of his tyrant encounters, where uh, you've got like I guess a thing called the Goblin Dealer, which is uh, some loot, and you can lure Mulbush out of the moonlight. It says, and uh, by feeding him this Goblin Dealer, and if you can lure him out, then his that stat, his retreat, which is normally three health or fewer, and he'll restore mm-hmm. back to full health, is now reduced to two health or fewer. Uh, so that's which is huge. Yeah, that is that is huge. So yeah, Mulbush, yep. great, love him. All right, nice. who we got next? Next up, I have the Goblin King, who's probably one of the more, not random, but he's got the element of chaos, right? So Too Many Bones is a very strategic game. It's got a lot of dice, but usually the dice are the randomness, not uh, necessarily uh, the characters in it. Yeah. So this this guy will use anything at his uh, um, disposal to try to damage you. So his big thing is he gets kind of like a throne marker, um, and he gets placed on top of the throne and the throne will only take damage from adjacent opposing units and must be destroyed before the Goblin King can lose HP. The Goblin King does not apply uh, d- defense, sorry, doesn't apply to the throne and the Goblin King cannot damage himself. So he's kind of sitting on this throne. And what is he doing, David? He is lobbing bombs. Um, yep. Um, so he's got two skills, kaboom and boom. So he either blasts all gear locks to positions furthest from him or deals damage to those adjacent to him, or deals damage like uh, Boomer does adjacent to where he does damage. 
Um, and then his tyrant dice is one of the frustrating, most frustrating mechanics in this game is, um, gosh, I'm forgetting. It's not scout. What's it called? Oh, um, signal signal, which a lot of the goblin baddies have. And he obviously has goblin baddies with him. So he can just add a one or five point baddie, depending on, um, the party size to the baddie queue, which is really frustrating. Yes. Or he deals three damage to the strongest baddie and all adjacent units. So he's literally bombing his own, <laughs> his own people, um, assuming that you're going to be close by to them or they're going to be close by to you fighting. And I think he is a blast to play. He does not have any real defensive mechanisms outside of you needing to destroy that throne first, which just gets HP based on, um, you know, the amount of players, etc. Um, and so you can really benefit and kind of game around some of the splash damage that he might be able to do based on, uh, you know, knowing that any damage dealt by him is also dealt to people adjacent. So you could actually... Um, you know, take out some of the baddies by him attacking you, other things like that. You can't take himself out with his own damage. That is a caveat there. But um, I think he's a really fun tyrant. He's a little bit more, uh, his his encounter name is Game of Throne, which I thought was a pretty funny <laughs> yeah. um, call out. But um, I really like the Goblin King. We have the Goblin Queen in Undertow. We can get to that later. Um, but uh, what do you think of the Goblin King? Yeah, I, I like that. It's it's kind of like an onslaught thing of like, all right, I'm calling wave after wave of goblins, but also he's destroying his own goblin to like hopefully deal yep. damage to you. So that's a fun that's a fun mechanism. I, I like I like the Goblin King a lot. It is no surprise that Boomer is one of my highly highest ranked gear locks. Um, oh, yeah. The Goblin King as a tyrant is also one of my higher ranked uh, tyrants. So I really like him. Absolutely. All right. Next, we got Gendrix. Is that correct? Or, or no, Drellin? Yes, Drellin. All right. So, Drellin, here we go. It says, ages ago, Drellin was banished from Obendar to the poison marshes for reasons no one can or is willing to recall. Instead of perishing, however, Drellin remains alive, face twisted and scarred from the extended time in the swamps. He is but skin and bones, yet somehow he thrives in the bog. Um, and so... Uh, Drellin, and it says his, his name is actually Drellin Paleface is his uh, is his full name. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to be facing um, some beasts, some bogs, and um, uh, what is the... Goblins. Yeah, goblins um, there uh, throughout him. So uh, Drellin, I think I've only played against him once, uh, and and he's okay. Uh, nothing uh, totally crazy. It's just his tyrant skill is bog ruler. If any bog type baddies are on the battle mat, Drellin cannot lose HP poison has no effect on drellin um and so to me it's just like kind of more annoying that you got to like clear out all of these bog types first um before uh, which i guess makes sense um before you can actually like do any any damage to him and uh, his tyrant die says poison enhancer set any existing poison effect dice to three on drellin's targets and poison two targets are poisoned for two place effect on target so eh, the poison effect is fine doesn't uh doesn't really do it as much for it's me. like annoying it's not the most lethal thing in the game but i mean if you have a three poison die on yourself then it can be frustrating but also the way this game works right if you have a bog baddie out there that has poison one they might like overwrite the poison three right depending on kind of how some of those mechanisms work so i wouldn't say he's too difficult he's just kind of annoying yeah right if you've got a, a slew of bog baddies you can't target him first you've got to you know get those down and he can't be affected by poison which you know might be a part of some of your strategy too right um so really poison is more of like an annoying mechanism than 
like a super challenging one, I would say. It's not as annoying as Bleed because you know it's you know not going to go on forever. Um, so yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's definitely different. I mean, if you want to go blow up some bog baddies, be my guess. I bet Carcass would love this dude. Yeah, right? lots of uh, nutritious uh, things to eat. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like I guess it in in a, in so much as like you have a tyrant here who before you can touch him you must do x um and x of course being like clearing out all of these other baddies it just thinks that uh, yeah it, it just to me it's not it, it there's the sense of it the sense of urgency like i get from momish for example when it's like oh no he's down to three health and he's gonna retreat and come back and so right. I, I don't know i don't get that sense of of necessary like urgency from from Drellin. but yeah would not i mean he's fine yeah the only thing i'll call it is that there are it's nice that there are tyrants that like he probably will force you to tech into at least some kind of status die removal, other things like that. So I do like uh, the game does encourage you right read the tyrant you know encounter card at the beginning of your your game, let that inform your decisions. And I think sometimes you're you're definitely benefit benefiting, benefiting. It benefits you to read the card beforehand to understand. Hey, if there's a lot of poison, maybe I do want to you know bring different dice that are going to allow me to remove status effects. So, well, it might not be you know obviously just running in and slamming a bunch of attack dice and attacking skills is fun. Um, it's also a little bit more tactical to try to engage with some of the other aspects of the game where uh, you might want to look at some skill die that allow you to counter things that they do, etc. Yeah. But, All right, who you got next? Oh, uh, I've got Gendrix, <laughs> and I might need your your gargantuan brain here to help me with this one. So Gendrix is uh, ready to torch his own kind if it gives him an edge in battle. Gendrix is well known throughout the region as a ruthless and dangerous leader. His lair is said to contain mysterious pillars controlled by his staff, but no creature has lived long enough to confirm this legend. So Gendrix is eight progress over 10 days. He's got dragon, bog, orc, and troll. Yeah. And he's got three pips on his game. So a medium game, like they say, um, he has hardy, which is one of the mm-hmm. most difficult skills mm-hmm. to get around, which means that uh, any turn Gendrix takes damage, the total is reduced to one, meaning that you could roll as many dice, use as many skills as you want. You're only ever doing one damage to him on your turn, no matter how you stack it. And he also has limit, which in my mind was the thing that just, I feel like I was already kicked in on the ground. And this was like, kicking me more uh, which is gendrick's target immediately removes a stat dice not a skill dice a stat dice from the gear lock mat for the remainder of the battle if health or defense are removed adjust your health and active defense to reflect the new max so maybe you built up a bunch of attack maybe you built up a bunch of defense eventually you're gonna lose it um and then he's got a tyrant die which he only rolls if an orb is not active um so he has one that is um active orb so place this die his tyrant dice and four HP on a baddie lane ranged position. If that position is occupied, you move it to a different one. Um, well, the orb is on the battle mat for every bones, a gear lock rolls deal one damage to that gear lock party treats the orb as an opposing unit. So he drops these orbs out. Anytime you roll bones, boom, take some damage. And then the other one is Charmander, which I love as a call out to Charmander because he is a dragon mm-hmm. or kobold. Um, Gendrick's fireballs, the weakest cobalt baddie for one damage. The cobalt immediately moves to uh, an adjacent spot closest to the opposing unit and deals two damage to it. So he kind of whips his own people into into shape and and has them go deal some damage to you. I cannot fa- I've played him two times now. I have not come close to beating him, David. So he was high on your list. I'm going to need your 
your giga brain here to tell me oh, I, I what am i missing i haven't beat him Hendrix. either yeah I, I haven't okay. i haven't beat him either like this guy's impossible he's impossible he um I, like hardy he, he comes in with nine health nine health yep. it's pretty high nine. and so effectively um you need to do well i guess it depends on how many baddies that you or sorry how many gear locks you have but like truce like true solo you need to last nine rounds with this guy uh, as a solo, so you, like I don't know that you can do this solo. Like you probably need uh, maybe three gear locks to do this, and that might be why I haven't beat him yet. Is because I've only ever like two handed, one and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so the Hardy is already like uh, tough enough. But like if you roll, um, the the limit thing um, is brutal, absolutely brutal. I mean, because it it only takes you. Again, if you're doing solo, four, four, turns, four yeah. turns, that's it. And you've lost all of your stats. I mean, come on. So you that might be the thing is like you want to maybe play Gendrix if you have a party of three or four is probably what you want to do. Gosh, in the orb. Oh, my gosh. That orb is horrible. Because if you're taking your attacks to damage him or to damage the orb, you're not damaging him. Exactly. And it's And I'm like, I've been scanning through... I'm like, maybe there's a way you can disable Hardy and get a big turn. And I mean, there's... There's not a lot of effects that I can see that get rid of Hardy um, on a tyrant. You can get rid of it up on baddies, depending on, you know, who you're playing, whether you're playing, you know, Stanza or um, others. But, man, that is a difficult keyword to get around. Yeah. Yeah. The orb is 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 no joke. That orb is is this tough thing so uh his his uh encounters though are interesting so it says like you're persistent any orb created during the tyrant battle will start with three hp instead of four hp so it's like woo, yeah, right. <laughs> not really giving us much of a break there so yeah gendrix is he's high on my list because he's a challenge and i still haven't beaten him yet um and that's why he's so high on my list uh but man it is it is difficult it is difficult but i wonder maybe with some of these new gear locks maybe it'd be a little bit easier to uh to do yeah. All right. Who we got? I think he's generally accepted as the hardest in the base game. Yeah. So for sure, for sure. So all right. Who we got next? Marrow. Yes, sir. All right. So tell us about Marrow, John. Marrow, a name that, when uttered in Daylor, is enough to chill anyone to the bone. This orc never loses a battle and is a master strategist. He also effortlessly swings an axe the size of a small and angry. Gearlock. Marrow knows how to bide his time in battle and will not hesitate to use many followers to guarantee a victory. So a couple shots there at uh at Tantrum. Yeah, that's right. Um and I love the name Marrow, Chili to the Bone, yeah. etc. So he's got one of the longest game legs. So he's got ten progress points required. You've got twelve days to do that. He's bringing um the orc baddies with him. He's got goblins, bogs, and dragons. Um his tyrant encounter i feel like is pretty straightforward mm-hmm. he's just beefy so um he has a rating skill which is similar to a lot of the other orcs so he gets an extra attack dice for each additional orc type baddie on the battle mat he has a call orc so if he rolls any bones you add one point uh orc baddie to the top of the battle queue two or more you get five points and you recycle your defeated baddies and then his tyrant dice is just all about damage so Skullcrack Axe Marrow's attack does true damage this turn. That is brutal. Mm-hmm. And Blood Rage is remove any effects from Marrow. At the end of Marrow's turn, he moves two positions towards the lane three range position and recovers three HP. So he's got built-in recovery as well as a way to cleanse status effects. I mean, this guy 
he's beefy. Mm-hmm. He is he's a challenge, not as much as Gendrix because you can come in and blast him with damage, but he's got a ton of baddies that he's going to be calling to his side. He's got a chunk of health and he can just literally go one shot somebody uh, if he gets lucky and roll some true damage, etc. But um I like he's got a big call to uh to um World of Warcraft slash uh, Hearthstone. The fiery war axe is uh, one of the most famous cards in Hearthstone, and it's oh. kind of a call to. He's kind of a call to. Uh, I think Gromish Hellscream from World of Warcraft is one of the big villains, or uh, Garrosh. John, but, I'm glad. I'm glad anyways. you're my. I'm glad I have you here as my co-host because I don't know any. They of these have things, so, so many callouts, <laughs> man, to uh, to different games and and whatever nerd culture you want to call it. But yeah. um, well, that's what's I cool about uh, Chip Theory good. Games is just like a lot of the mecha- like the mechanisms that they like they drum up are just like stuff from their favorite video games, and I think like that's really right. cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I I don't have much to say about Mero. Echoing exactly what you said, he's just a beefy boy. Yeah, and um, yeah, if you want a long encounter, if you want to build up a gear lock and then have a pretty good fight, this is the guy to do it because his his tyrant encounter again is not complex in the rules or the things that he can do. Mm-hmm. It's very much like he's gonna whack you. So can you punch him back hard enough? But um, that goes through the first six. Uh, David, will you tell us about? the last of our tyrants duster yeah duster so it says here um duster only recently risen to power duster seems to have her own agenda when it comes to the ebon she's already amassed quite the following after quietly assassinating the previous ruler of the ebon heart of ebon heart and claiming his followers as her own to command constantly uh, to command constantly searching for something duster remains a mystery. So this is the longest encounter, right? It's got three pips on game length, 10 progress points, 13 days to complete. And Duster is interesting because she is a gear lock. Uh, so in the base game, she is a, um, I guess, a tyrant. But then if you get undertow, she becomes a playable gear lock. Yes. Which I really like that. I like, I like when when you're playing a game and like you unlock a villain as a playable character. Um, so I really like that. And, Oh, and what's funny too, is like, you know, there's that joke where it's like the villain, uh, you know, that meme that's like, it's like a, a wolf looking thing that like looks really vicious, but like right next to it is like a golden retriever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that meme? So it's like the wolf thing is like the villain when you're playing against it. And then right. the golden retriever is like the villain when you unlock it as a playable character. <laughs> and I think that yep. kind of describes Duster a little bit. Like she kind of gets a bad rap. A lot of people like don't like she thinks like, eh, she's kind of mid, you know, nothing crazy. But like as a tyrant uh, can be pretty can be pretty tricky to to play against. So, oh, yeah, Duster has shrouded and Duster can only be targeted by adjacent units. Uh, so, again, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with some tricky things there. If you have somebody like Boomer who relies on a lot of ranged attacks and then limit Duster's targets immediately remove a stat die from the gearlock mat for the remainder of this battle. If health or def, uh, defense, you know, so again, another one like like Gendrix, you got limit there as one of her innates. And then she has one more hide. Duster cannot be targeted until her next turn. Um, so you've got those three right there, her tyrant die, cloak and dagger. And um, she actually replaces basically one of the gear locks on the mat. And then once she KOs a gear lock, then another one can then can come into play. So similar to maybe Nam uh, kind of in that aspect. Um, and then you've got Duster's dagger, place a bleed effect die on any target Duster does damage to 
uh, this oh, round. That's brutal. Yep. Yep. So because uh, bleed is so frustrating to try to get rid of too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but Duster's. Um, what's interesting is like so Duster in tyrant form doesn't have her trusty wolf, um, and in undertow there's that when you get nightshade. Uh, who helps Duster. So the coolest thing about Duster as a gear lock is definitely Nightshade, but we'll get to that on a future episode. So yeah, John, those are, man, we did it. We went through seven different tyrants. A little bit longer of an episode than we usually do. I hope the people enjoyed it, but yeah. I, I think uh, it's it's fun to go through all these tyrants because, man, they are all so different and yeah. all of them play differently. And it's amazing. Um, I mean, anybody who's intimidated by this game and the amount of content that there is out there, like I can understand that and just start with the base game. Like you have hours and hours of replayability within this base box. You have set I mean seven different tyrants. You could you could do them solo, you could play different player counts, because as we mentioned, the game kind of changes when you've got different player counts. So oh man, there there's just so much good stuff in in this box. I can't say enough of it. And that's the like that's the thing. That's the thing. It's it's they are really all so different like the gear locks are cool love the gear locks they're kind of, i mean they're the main star of the show but like i picked up splice and dice not because i really care mm-hmm. about building my own gear lock i really don't care about that but because it came with like four or five new tyrants and so like all the tyrants themselves are something to look forward to it's an exciting yeah. build up to who you get to fight against and what they're going to bring in you know you fight you fight the same types of baddies uh you know they're going to be the same kind of baddies from from game to game uh, more or less um, but the tyrants, like they, like in essence, like they bring out the essence of what that type of baddie is. Like Molmish brings out the essence of what the beast types are. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the Goblin King brings out the essence of what these goblin types are. Or Marrow is a perfect example of like you know rallying around these orcs and stuff. So yeah, I I, yeah. I love the tyrants, and I'm and and they've only gotten more creative as each box has released. So I'm excited to talk about future tyrants um oh yeah for too many bones love it yeah john anything else you want to add to our our tyrant conversation i don't think so man i've been talking with jacob we're going to get a little unbreakable game day coming up soon Ooh, nice so i'm excited to let you know about uh all of those fun because there's still a lot of tyrants there i haven't explored and i'm keeping my eye out my my wish for black friday is to get splice and dice some promos and the brass max so that's complete my too many bones question. Do you think they made space in the trove chest for splice or for the brass mags? That's what I'm <laughs> thinking about. I'm like, I'm going to have to find some place to store them separate from my trove chest. I, I mean, I think they would just look really nice on top of your shelf. Just like at the top there, they would look really nice. Just kind of all, you know, side by side. It's true. So, Yeah. Cool. Uh, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today, John, before we head out, if the listeners want to reach out to us, and tell us how we can big brain Gendrix and how he's easy to beat on a first go. <laughs> Where can they do that? Yeah, the best place to reach us is going to be via email at notenoughbones at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram uh, at notenoughbones, Twitter notenoughbonespod. Um, so make sure to check us out on the socials. Yep. Thank you so much to our good friend, as mentioned earlier, Jonathan Allen Wright, for our intro and outro music. He will be releasing an album here very soon. So if you haven't done so, make sure you give him a follow wherever you listen to your music. As always, my name is David. And I'm John. We thank you so much for joining us. Have a happy, safe Halloween. Ooh.